All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. We continue on game day on Sports 1440. I'm Jason Greger. Of course, uh, thanks for watching as well as live on Oilers Nation YouTube. Everything's presented by PlayAlberta.ca where you can... uh, Get in the game, and of course, uh, or you can come in. Hey, we just had Bruce came down. Of course, uh, he had qualified, picked up his hat, uh, came by, said hi at the uh, E-Well Studios. E-Well always reminds you, stay tuned for an electrifying show that's going to light up your day. That is uh, E-W-E-L dot C-A, as uh, we welcome to the show, gentleman who always uh, who always brings it, got a lot of energy, on spunk, as he's uh, now in the... Uh, Bustling metropolis of Sudbury, Ontario, as he is uh, shooting season three of Shorzy. Former NHLer Terry Ryan joins us. TR, how you doing? Uh, not bad. A little bit uh, wiped today. We've been uh, we started our uh, stunt rehearsals and all that stuff yesterday, and we always finish with a game of three on three. Today it went two hours. So uh, yeah, I'm a little bit tired, but it was it was fun. We're kind of going over all the scenes that are coming up in season three, like the on ice stuff. We do all that stuff first and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I tell you that. How, uh, how, how's your hands in three on three? Uh, well, you know, I'm my, my legs got slower, I suppose over the years, but my hands are the same. I've been playing ball hockey and ice hockey five, six times a week for as long as I remember. Um, and these are all like real good hockey players. So it's a good game, right? Like, I mean, Jordan Nolan had three Stanley Cups. Like I said, Brandon played. Uh, everybody on the uh, ice today, you know, was played a good level. So you like to challenge each other like you, like you do, you know. Oh, yeah. My favorite times growing up, my favorite way to train was playing street hockey. When I played in Montreal, 
my assistant coaches there were Yvonne Cormier and Steve Shutt. They played the game, so they would bag skate us, quote, yeah. unquote, you know, uh, by three on three. Just we, we might go for three hours, but that's what we – and I would love that because – I just get more out of it than, than you know, skate the wall to wall. Oh, that's terrible. The it's the worst. You get nothing it's out terrible. of it. Yeah. No. So I enjoy that. Like I've often said, I'll do cardio all day long like that. I just going out and running on the side of the road. It's for the birds. <laughs> oh, I guess it's not for the birds. The birds fly, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and uh, I know what you're saying. Um, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in your in Sudbury, so I'm sure the ripple effect has been felt in Sudbury as the wrath of John Klingberg is spreading across Ontario right now, TR. Now, you know, when I saw some people who said, hey, you know, like there's some risk here in signing John Klingberg, the way he's played the last few seasons uh, defensively. And I know it's early on, but oof, my goodness, uh, he has at times it's, you know, it just looks like a guy who needs a map in his own zone. Yeah, man. I, I watch a lot of Leafs games, too, and, boy, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. They gave him a good chunk of change, too, and he's a total liability out there, like, every time. And I know at one point this guy was, like, in the conversation for the Norris Trophy. So, and, you know, he was kind of out of sight, out of mind. Like, I didn't realize until I'm seeing him now every night. Like, really, man, you like, you need to play defense. Uh, you know, the Leafs, <laughs> how much did you hear last year people – really, really giving Justin Hall a hard time, you know, and they do there. It's yeah. happened over the years. Larry Murphy, uh, Carlo Koliakov, I remember, like, just when, when they really, really get on somebody, I guess in any Canadian market, okay, it's going to be magnified. But, you know, now I'm looking at it going, if only they had Hall instead of Klingberg. I can't believe I'm saying those words. I can't. But, you know, there's sample sizes, there's bad luck, and then there's – somebody looking like a fish out of water who was once real good and you're giving them almost five schmill. I mean, I don't know. Recipe for disaster. Oh, hundred percent. And now it's, he's one part of it, but like I saw uh, Frank Corrado doing a piece that he broke down very well about David camp continually not making the right read defensively. And he broke it down very slowly. Talked about, okay, here's a four coming back and the first forward back, and this is really kind of simple stuff, Terry, that most people who have played any level know. Okay, even if you're the center, if the winger's the first guy back and he's in the corner, where this, then the centerman has to take that winger's position, right? Like, that's pretty standard in, in almost uh, yeah. in almost any play, right? So he talked about, hey, here's the tracks right in the high slot. You don't go lower than that because now you're the winger. That's where you want to cover. And literally, if you watch the play on full, Camp comes back, he storms, he stops right at the side of the net. All that uh, Ottawa does is come out the other side. They put it into the high slot where he should be. Boom, chicken, wide open goal. And uh, according to, because I haven't watched all the Leaf games, but uh, according to Corrado, he's saying, like, this has happened way too often for a guy who's, like, supposed to be your fourth-line defensively reliable center. Yeah, you know what? There's a lot of parallels with the Oilers. There have been for a few years, but, you know, when it comes down to, like, how much star power and guys where they fit in the league and, you know, you it, it, with Matthews and Marner and company, and then you got, like, their lapses. Like, it looks brutal. I know I watched that game last night. I couldn't believe it. Like, and, you know, like, think about their goaltending as well. Like, there's a lot of similarities. But, yeah, like, a guy like Kemp is 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 looked upon to to, like, that's where he raises his game defensively. And it's not, again, these are obvious things. You just pointed that out because you'd know if you played beer league to do that. Really, you know, you know when you're out of position. Uh, so, uh, you know, one thing leads to another. It can be contagious. I just find like, you know, 
like the Leafs weren't all that bad defensively like this last year. And I sometimes two or three like weak links and or, or links that aren't really are confused or are turning the puck over really can bring everybody down. And look, I've always been a fan of Bertuzzi, Tyler Bertuzzi, but he's really like yeah, he's, he's struggling it out on the wall. He's hoping he's throwing it to areas, hoping someone's going to be there. Like, well, he looks like a rookie. Like, I don't, I don't know. And, and that's what I'm saying. These guys, if you just told me coming into the year, that, that I would think, I know Klingberg's not relied on defensively, but he's played in the NHL. He's been a great player. Like I said, he's in the conversation for the best in the league at times. I didn't think he would be so terrible. Like, you know, because there's experience got to count for something. Same thing with Bertuzzi. I mean, look at Domi and, he was kind of in the same conversation as Bertuzzi, but I don't see it as totally lost with him. He's almost awkward at times or not quite sure what he – but he's not making such ridiculously defensive. He's just not playing great. But, God, those guys defensively look like a tire fire. Yeah, well, Oiler fans are like, hey, hands up. Uh, how about us? And, uh, you know, Edmonton at the same time has has had some similar issues. Uh, there's no question about it. Uh, they take on the San Jose Sharks tonight, Terry. And so we have lots of texters wondering, can you gain any confidence when you beat a team that you know you should beat? Does How does that work? Yeah, th- these are tough games. I mean, first of all, they're nice if you're in a slump because you should win them. But exactly that. You should win them. You should. And now the recent scores outside of last game, like them getting beat by 10 twice. Yeah. Or uh, God, like, so all like... I hate to say it, but if it's me, I, f- I feel a little bit of pressure if I'm Edmonton because not only are we expected to beat them, but we should really kind of put on a show. Now, 10-1 to 1 is not <laughs> normal. It happened twice and still not normal. I don't care how bad you are. But, like, I'm thinking the Oilers by a few to find their game. They should beat them by a few. If, we're, if, we're, if they do everything that – if they correct their mistakes, they're still Edmonton. And I don't care what you say. Ten games ago, lots of people in the in the sports world that are smart and smarter than me when it comes to this and analytics and everything else had picked the Oilers to be in the final. So they couldn't have come that far away. So I think if they get their game against San Jose, which they really should, right, this is time. To, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, you have to practice your power play and things that should be clicking and aren't. And if that doesn't happen – I don't know. I mean, I know we've made the move with Campbell. Was that the problem? It's definitely one of them, but still, I don't, I don't see much changing there. And nothing against the Pickard kid or, I guess, vet by this point. But I don't know. I'm looking at his numbers. I don't know much about him. He's okay. I, I don't think that's really the answer. I don't know. I, I don't know. So it's a big, 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 big game. I think a lot of eyes in the hockey world. For two last-place teams, there's going to be a lot of eyes on this game. Yeah, it's kind of like the train wreck that you can't look away from, right? I, I think that's part of it for this one. Uh, and I think some people are waiting for Edmonton to wake up. And, you know, maybe tonight, I will say tonight, the one thing that could benefit are a few individual players who, who have gotten goose eggs across the board, right? Like if, if a guy like Ryan McLeod is playing with McDavid and Hyman and Holloway, if one of those two can get a goal, then all of a sudden maybe like the team, sure, they want to play a good defensive structure, but as an individual, that's really all you can take care of is your own game. And, um, Usually, if, if you get any sort of offensive confidence, it can just help you sometimes. All of a sudden, you react better, right? Like, you're not thinking even in the defensive zone. So it can spill over into, uh, you know, all areas of your game. Yeah, totally. And now, listen, like, and I know there's all kinds of reasons to be upset and watch the Oilers and say, you know, this is crazy. They're terrible. But listen, they had a 19 shots before Vancouver had one or two the other night, right? We saw that. A couple of those go in, and they do. They will. They do. They, you know, they're, they're not that, but they're not great. They're certainly not as good as people thought they were going to be. 
But that's not going to happen every time that you get 20 shots before the other team gets a handful and, you, you know, you're losing. Uh, so, you know, I hate to say it, but I do. I sound like a broken record, but we're on here to analyze the game. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tell you my honest thought, thinking here. Yeah. And my honest thinking is that they're not this bad. I think that they've been getting bad bounces on top of the bad play, but still other teams make mistakes. It seems like it's in the net every single time. This is, if anything, a good game to get everybody going. Like I, you know, it's almost, I don't want to use the word exhibition because the point you need those points, but breathe, go out there. You know, this team clearly isn't great. You should be able to beat them. And even if it's two to one though, whatever it's positive, it's two points. You put everything else in the rearview mirror, and it could be the first step towards, you know, the uh, the turning point of the season. It's early, but you know they're two eight and one. It would be a turning point if they win and go on a little bit of a run. Jason Greger, Terry Ryan, with you on the Greger Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. When we return, Mike Monaco, uh, the uh, voice on ESPN, uh, will join us. This guy calls every game, uh, lots of different sports. Uh, He's calling the Sharks game tonight uh, across the ESPN network. He'll join us. Three twenty three. Jason Greger, Connor Halley. Terry Ryan with you, Sports 1440, live on Oilers Nation YouTube as uh, we get to our big guest of the day, brought to you by the Spruce Grove Saints. Uh, exciting AJHL action. Get down there tomorrow night. The uh, Saints are at home. Get your tickets at sprucegrovesaints.ca. And then, of course, uh, Saints on the road in Sherwood Park on uh, Saturday. So, whew, two pretty fun games if you're an AJHL fan this weekend. And uh, speaking of somebody who's a, a fan of sports and a fan of hockey, uh, you know you are a, a fan of sports as a as a broadcaster when uh, you're jumping around from uh, from league to league and uh, and well, literally league to league and uh, and game to game. It's awesome. Uh, our next guest. Uh, this was his week. Uh, uh, Saturday he did uh, Kansas Iowa State college football. Monday. Dartmouth Duke College Basketball. Tonight, Oilers, Sharks, NHL. Saturday, Oklahoma State, UCF. Mike Monaco uh, joins us uh, from ESPN. Mike, uh, pretty well-versed as a play-by-play, obviously, is now you've done basketball, you're doing hockey, you're doing football. Is there one you like best? (laughs) Uh, Great to be with you guys. You know, I get that question a lot. And uh, I was always the kid growing up who played every sport, not well, mind you, but played every sport. And depending on whatever season it was or whatever practice or game I had that day, that was my favorite. And uh, it might sound like, you know, like coach speak uh, to, to say that that's the case now, but it really is. Like, I am fired up for the game tonight. Uh, Sharks, Oilers, let's see who's getting a win uh, out of this one. Of course, a lot's been made of it going in. Um, the Sharks finally, of course, have their, their first win now. Um, fired up for that, and then uh, I'll be on a red-eye flight, uh, eventually getting me to Orlando, Florida, for that football game you mentioned. And I'll be excited about that once I start turning my attention there tomorrow. So uh, it's a great time of the year and uh, certainly looking forward to this one tonight. Can't beat the NHL. Uh, I've, I've done football and hockey. I will say the one sport that, that I didn't, I never played growing up, but I got in and I did uh, uh, the NLL pro lacrosse for 10 years. 
as a play-by-play guy. I loved it because it was like a mix of hockey and basketball because he had the transition transition of basketball because he just threw it up the, up the floor very quickly but had the toughness and a little bit of the same uh, strategy as hockey. It was unbelievable to do. Like Because when you're a play-by-play guy, when the game's exciting, it just makes your job easier, right? Like you just kind of – you get caught up and you can tell – you can feed off the emotion on the floor or the court or the ice. Totally. And that's why, you know, hockey to me – is on a different level in terms of energy and obviously pace. Yeah. Um, it, it's the hardest sport that I call, and I willingly say that. Like, it just moves at a different speed, and you don't have to worry about, you know, on-the-fly line changes and guys jumping over the boards and, um, you know, guys spilling out of the penalty box and identifying them quickly in other sports. Like, even in college football, like, I'm preparing for – 70 guys on, on each team. Like that's just the way college football is here in the States. Um, but that's, you don't have to worry about the pace of football in the way you do with hockey. Um, lacrosse for me, I, I've called lacrosse in the past. Um, that's a tough one. Cause like, I didn't grow up playing it a ton. I had a lot of friends that did. And when you don't have the firsthand knowledge of a sport like that, that to me is a, a little more challenging, but I agree with you. Like lacrosse is really fun and, and anything to your point that has that, that tempo pace, um, and a ton of action, which obviously hockey does, um, is just a blast to be calling. Mike, you're an athlete in high school, but you got into broadcasting real early. Was there a, like when you were a kid, did you want to be a broadcaster or an athlete? And was there a point that you said, okay, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to go pro, but I'm really into this. And now I'm going to put all my attention into covering different sports. What, what, when did that decision happen for you? Yeah, it, it, it actually wasn't later until um, I had been in college for, for two of my, my four years in college um, that I figured out that I wanted to do broadcasting. My, uh, my whole life growing up as a, a youngster and then, you know, um, it, it changed, you know, around high school. But to that point, growing up, I, I certainly wanted to be a professional athlete and like a lot of people, I'm sure. And, um, you know, that's, that's the hope. And, uh, so, so few of us are, are as fortunate as, as you to, to get there and, and do that. But, um, it, it's, it's then quickly a matter of, all right, well, what can I do instead to still be around sports and enjoy it? And, um, yeah, I've been very grateful to have this for a career and to, uh, have a great company like ESPN, um, allow me to, to live out, you know, a different sort of dream of, of still working in sports. And again, it sounds like another cliche, but it doesn't feel like working in sports when you're sitting there watching Connor McDavid this morning at morning skate, you know, and you're walking off down the tunnel behind on dry side like that that is that is really cool to get to do that for a living you sit down mike and you know you as uh as the play-by-play guy usually you sit down with the coaches and you get the, kind of those little uh coach interviews and stuff and yeah hey the sharks finally got a win but uh we look at their record and hey they're not an overly competitive team let's call a spade a spade uh, the orders right now there's no mm-hmm. team that's underachieved more than them that's obvious to say um you know, they're, like they're, it's funny. Like San Jose is only two points back of Edmonton, and uh, it just kind of illustrates how bad Edmonton has played for themselves. Because I just think they're a better team than what their record states. But uh, you know, you are what your record is in that sense. Did you feel a little angst there at all in, if, uh, around Edmonton today? Uh, you know, is is there that edge of your seat? Like that's a team that knows, like we got to get some wins here. There could be some major changes in our organization. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't say angst, but but you definitely sense like the passion and an intensity today. And uh, we sat in on Jay Woodcroft's media availability, and then we got some time with him, um, sort of in a more private setting right afterward. And um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's often the case when you chat with him that intensity comes out. Um, but yeah, even more so today. And like, it, it's a fine line for him too. Like, what I asked him was. All right, like all the the analytics say, right, that that you shouldn't just have two wins. Like you are performing better than what the results would say. And he said that too. He volunteered that on his own. Like that's what the analytics do say. And then he also points out games aren't played on a computer. And like I don't need to sit here and, and tell you guys that or tell Oilers fans that. Like the record is what the record is. So it's a balance for him, right? Like, how much are you harping on, hey, the results aren't there, when there is a lot to like with the process? And, you know, he pointed out to us, we're 31st in finishing. And you look at the five-on-five shooting percentage. It's 6% for this Oilers team. Like, that is going to fix itself to some extent in some amount of time. And he said, hey, look, we're, we're top 10 in expected goals allowed, um, meaning, you know, we're a top 10 defensive team or should be. But that hasn't happened. And, and obviously, goaltending is part of that. Um, and, you know, they, they just haven't outscored the defensive and goaltending problems that they have at other times. So it, it's a fine line, right, in terms of, like, harping on the results but liking some of what's there in terms of the process but i mean look no further than than the jack campbell news to, to kind of get a sense of of what the intensity is like the phrase that jake kept using today was we had to shake the tree like a guy as respected in the dressing room as jack campbell had to be the one jay woodcock said it today pay the price um for for some of what's happened so far like that's just the reality of the situation so yeah to answer the question you, you can sense some of that intensity, um, and whatever word you want to put on it from from being around them today. Mike Monaco joins us, uh, voice uh, for ESPN. He'll be calling the uh, Oilers-Sharks game uh, nationally uh, tonight. And you know what? It's funny, uh, Mike. Like, hey, the, look at the Edmonton Oilers. As a Canadian team, they're on the National American Network quite a bit because I think it's McDavid and Drysidle, and obviously they haven't got off to the start they want. But it's still like right now, it's almost like a little bit of a train wreck watching the Oilers because people are like, well, geez, eventually I think they're going to break out. Or if this keeps continuing, it's it's kind of you know it's it's strange to say, but that's good theater for people. They they tune in for that because you don't know what you're going to get right now. I had an NHL beat writer who works in a different market, not one of these two teams today, and texted me this morning and said, "Wait, do you have Oilers Sharks tonight? People will be tuned in for that." Uh, people like watching car crashes, particularly two <laughs> massive fires crashing into each other. That's what the text message read yeah. um, in anticipation of tonight. Like, it, it, it's it's what it is. People would be tuned into the Oilers anyway, right? Like, no matter how well or not well they're playing because of the star power and the success and, and all that, right? Like what you just said. Um but yeah, like there's, uh, I think, some added intrigue around this one um, with obviously the starts that, that both teams are off to. And in the Shark situation, like, yeah, they still have that first win, but I, I think there's still a level of interest in what's going on with them. Like, it's, it's pretty ugly. You, you start digging into some of the numbers, like the first 12 games of a season, no team in NHL history has scored as few goals as the Sharks have done in their first 12 games. 
and given up as many goals as they've given up in the first 12 games. Like it just hasn't been done before. Um, the, the struggles that they've had to that extent. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a negative, but, um, there is a, a level of intrigue surrounding it. I think, um, you know, in, in the context of both teams. Oh yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy to see. Um, and the Sharks, like, I'm not sure I see a lot of signs that uh, they necessarily going to improve. They don't have a, a lot of young guys in the organization, despite missing the playoffs for four years that they're going to bring up. But uh, they will put in uh, Kalen Addison. It looked like he's going to skate with Mario Ferraro. That'll be mm-hmm. the 11th defenseman dressed for the Sharks in uh, 13 games. Like 11 D-men in 13 games. That's, you know, was was there any talk at all about you know, matchups on, on who you think's going to see McDavid or Drysaddle from the San Jose perspective? Yeah, well, so we actually haven't talked to their coaching staff. So we had to pick one or the other morning skate to go to. So we're going to chat with David Quinn tonight okay. um, once we get over to the arena. But um, I, I don't know what the answer is, right, in, in that regard. And, I mean, you talk about the different defensemen that they played this year. They have one goal from a defenseman this year, and it, it technically happened when that defenseman was playing as a forward. Like, they've just rotated through all these different bodies on the blue line, and they're, they're trying to find answers. Um, one thing you can say about Addison is he's going to jump in um, on the top power play. Recently, they've been going with all forwards on yeah. their top power play unit, um, but he's going to jump right in there. And, you know, a guy was probably a, a little bit a part of a numbers game um, in Minnesota, still a very young guy, uh, puck mover, offensive upside. So um, he's going to get a, a really big opportunity, especially to what compared to what he had in Minnesota. Mike, we really appreciate your time. Uh, hopefully, now I want to ask you quickly. You're always taking the uh, the red eyes. Uh, you must be able to sleep on the plane, or are you a big napper the next day in the afternoon to catch up? How's that work? I try to sleep on the plane, guys. My, my new addition to the travel arsenal is an eye mask, like a sleep mask. Yeah. So uh, we'll see if that helps me at all. And uh, I bring a little melatonin with me and, and pop one or two of those. So that's my secret. Wish me luck. I will need it to try to fall asleep on the flight. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for your time, man. Have a good call. Thanks, buddy. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for the invite. That's uh, Mike Monaco from uh, ESPN. Uh, quite the diverse play-by-play skill set. From college football to college basketball to the NHL to college football, that's a, that is a rather busy week. Now, uh, I should point out um, that, and the only reason I know this is because I had written an article about it today. The, the San Jose Sharks TR, when you talk about lethargic offense, only two teams in NHL history have averaged fewer goals. Now, they played more seasons or, or more games. Obviously, San Jose, they have a chance that they can improve their offense as the season goes along. But the lowest in the modern-day NHL in a full season was 1.83 goals per game by the 2014 Sabres. They were also 1.87 in 2015, right? So that that's kind of the number you shoot for. But the, the lowest, like the Chicago Blackhawks back in 1928, which is a long time ago, through their first 13 games... They had uh, a whopping, or sorry, first uh, 12 games, they had a whopping 11 goals. So uh, the Sharks, just to clarify, not the worst start goals for in uh, NHL history, but very close. Very close. 1928, were they they allowed to pass the puck forward? (laughs) Yeah, fair point, buddy. Fair point. Serious question. Yeah, no, they weren't. Yeah. No. I mean, it was a different game. No. And look. But there's a lot of things that make the, 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 the Sharks unique. First of all, the two ten goal, two two games in a row, ten goals against. Oh man! They don't score. 
They let in the most like this is not good. Epic. Like, yeah. This is something we've never seen. So how do they get out of this? Do they have anything on the horizon? No. I mean, they used to have some good players. What did they get for like what's going on? Like I'm looking at it. Some teams, you know, I guess the Canadians this year say, well, we're rebuilding, even though they're doing all right. I'm just saying a yeah. lot of teams, I get it, the philosophy to, 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 you know, to tank or to, or to try, you know, you're rebuilding or whatever, but who are they rebuilding with? Who do they have? What's their perspective? Like, what's their prospects? What's going on? They're dude, horrible. Dude, they're, they're, their best prospect, um, is probably the defense when they got in the, in the Timo Meyer trade, right? That would be, uh, that would be it. Um, uh, Shakir, uh, Makamadoulin, that would be, that's, he's probably their best prospect, uh, in their organization. Uh, lots of their first round picks here in the last years. They draft a lot of smaller forwards, you know, Bordelow, uh, Aussie wise, Vlad guys who've, you know, I'm not sure. Like maybe, uh, Daniil, uh, Gushin, maybe at 21, like he might be, but they don't have a lot, man. You're right. They don't have a lot. You, you look at just, uh, like look at their group of forwards. The only forward they have under the age of 23, is uh, is William Eklund and and he's okay, but uh, you know F- Philip Sedina they just got from Detroit, a former sixth overall pick. Uh, they're, they're hoping maybe something comes from him and uh, Fabian Zetterland who's you know he's twenty four. That those are their three young forwards. Like they're nothing really to write home about. No, this is this is the start. They've never actually committed to the rebuild. That's the thing, Terry. They've never done it, yeah. and so now um, that that kind of becomes you know their plan. And so, the, to me, their rebuild starts now, and it <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, but like, is, is it a their long plan, run. or are they just garbage? Like, there's teams that they're bad, and you just say, "Well, they're rebuilding." Yeah, I don't know. Like, I can say that, but all the other teams that you know, Detroit, yeah, Buffalo, Montreal, like, there's all teams out there that have done it and for a few years. Chicago did it before they won Pittsburgh. Okay, you know, they're going to be all right in a few. But I, I don't know. You can say rebuilding because that's a good word to use with teams that are losing, but they don't have anything to build with. I think they're just horrible. Yeah. Um, they, hey, that's fair, man. That is, uh, it's totally fair. You're right. They, they never committed to the rebuild. They, they re-signed Thomas Hurdle. God. At the, at, what was that in March of 2022? That's when it should have started. They should have said, okay, we're trading him. We're going to get some assets. Then we're going to move out Carlson. Uh, you know, then we're going to try to move out, um, Couture. Cause here's the thing. So right now you've got Couture and Hurdle. Now, Mark Edward Vlasic, no one's trading for him. Like no one's even taking him at half of his uh, cost. There's no chance. So they might just have to bite the bullet on him. But you look, you have uh, Thomas Hurdle, who's an 8.135 cap hit. This is the, uh, you know, his contract starts. uh, This is year two, I think it is. And uh, Logan Couture has three years left after this. Even if they want to trade him, TR, they can only retain salary on one of them. Because you're only allowed three at a time, and they already have two more years of Burns and uh, and Carlson, so it's uh, it's going to be even tough to try to get rid of some of those guys to try to rebuild. Now they might have to wait two years, which is whatever. I guess it won't slow down, but it just they're you know they're going to have to wait a little bit longer to get more draft picks, which means that just extends it because you'd rather get the draft pick for this year because most draft picks are five years down the road to see if if they're really going to impact your team, right? Like, unless we're talking the yeah. freaks like McDavid, etc. Right? Lots of other guys, it takes many years, so. I look at uh, at the Sharks. No, there's they're another eight years away, man, and they've already missed the playoffs four in a row. I think they will easily challenge Buffalo's record for most consecutive years without the playoffs. And what? Are, how are their fans taking it? I, haven't well, seen, I mean, dude, watch the game tonight. It'll be well. McDavid's there, so maybe it'll be an okay crowd. But no, they're uh, the Shark Tank was. Uh, you know, their fans were down last year, 
And uh, they've been down. Like there was the one game where maybe you had seven thousand people in there. So it's uh, yeah. it's too bad because when that place was rocking, it was loud in there. It was a lot of fun, but it's it's not going to be that way. And if you're a fan, I get why you wouldn't go. Like the sharks are terrible, right? Why would you want to go as a fan? Like you're you're going to get spanked. Now they did see a win on Tuesday, so that might bring some of them back. And it's McDavid, but yeah. I think if they get eleven or twelve thousand fans tonight, uh, they will think that's a good crowd for sure. Yeah, they saw a win, Jason. They got outshot forty to nineteen. I mean. If that's going to be like, if their only wins are going to be when someone, Mackenzie Blackwood, was it stands on his head or like a complete fluke? Ha- I, I don't know. Like, there's teams, they're all NHL team, even Buffalo, the teams that you're mentioning. I, I don't know if I've ever looked at a team this poor, this bad with, with no prospects, with like the hurdling couture. Like, what's, what's the point of that? I mean, I'm running a GM, I can be a GM on NHL 24 on the PlayStation and do a better job. Most fans, I mean, most people have never put on skates could look at that tire fire and, and, and tell you that there's something wrong. I don't know. I mean, that's it, kind of, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but I, I don't know what they're going to do, I guess, is the point of what I'm saying. I don't. There's no answers. Teams are bad, but Connor McDavid or Connor Bedard just went to Chicago. We all looked at Chicago last year. God, they're going to have nothing. He's going to go there. He's going to play like they got nothing. They're going to be horrible. But they're way better than San Jose. Yeah, yeah. Way better oh, this yeah. particular year, right? Like, I can really say they're rebuilding. They got Bedard. Now even some of their pieces that you didn't think were going to be very good, they're, they are. They're not bad. They're not as bad as anybody thought they were going to be. And now they're going to continue to build around Connor Bedard within their draft picks, and they're going to have some – usually the Blackhawks have a decent sense of their organization. Like, whenever they have something to work with, they usually make something out of it. You know, you have confidence there. But I don't see any of that in San Jose. I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. When we come back, uh, Livingston will join us on Sports 1440 Live and Orders Nation YouTube. Jason Greger, Terry Ryan, back with you on Sports 1440 Live and Orders Nation uh, YouTube. A lot of text line in on our Jiffy Lube inbox, 833-401-1440. Really love the uh, supportive audience that we have. Uh, Very much uh, supportive. That's great. Although, hey, you know what? I'd be doing the exact same thing. If it wasn't me... Uh, who had to be uh, a little nervous uh, waiting the outcome of this game. If someone else had made an idiot, odd statement about themselves to uh, to grow uh, a dumb hairstyle, I'd be all over it too. So uh, I appreciate the humor from the uh, texters today. It's uh, It's a good laugh. It's a good laugh. Uh, even though it's uh, mainly at my expense, it's still uh, it's still fun. I brought it on myself. So, you know, I can't blame anyone, right? Like I tell the order players, look in the mirror when you make a dumb decision defensively. Well, that's what I have to do, look in the mirror. Made a dumb decision uh, on the air. It happens. Let's get to the uh, racing report now brought to you by Can Torque as they continue developing tools and they're excited to announce their newest design, the battery powered nut runners, four models from 500 to 3000 foot pounds with more on the way. Check it out at cantorque.com. As always, uh, once again, Colin Livingston uh, joins us uh, in studio here in the uh, Ewell Studios and uh, Colin, hey, no, no shortage of uh, of things going on in the uh, in the racing world. But I do want to talk about it was kind of unique in, in F one because of you know just when the race starts, you got uh, you know Stroll and Alonso, and they're their third and fourth. It was kind of you know it was the best weekend they had set up. But then off the start, it was just like man, their cars weren't close, and they just got dominated. So how does it change that quickly? Well, I mean, the start of that race was was something beyond strange because, um, you know, for anyone who didn't watch it, 
uh, Ferrari Charles Leclerc didn't make the start. He was the pole sitter, and his car had a mechanical failure that caused his car to spin. Uh, he fenced it um, on the formation lap, so he was taken out. Then at the green flag, Kevin Magnuson uh pinched up on Alex Albon, which pinched up onto um, Hulkenberg, which spun Albon into Magnuson, wiped those two guys out. um, And in the resulting crash, a tire comes off, um, hits Daniel Ricciardo's rear wing. And I think the same tire hit uh, something hit Piastri's rear wing, like broke their wings off. Piastri's floor was destroyed. Now, we've talked a bit about the the red flag and being able to repair cars. Yeah. Now, the one exception has to be on the opening lap. Because, yeah, like, you, sure. you know, you're taken out of the race. It's not your fault. Okay, fine. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. They thrashed on those cars. Didn't get them great, but got those two, you know, uh, Danny Ricardo and uh, Piastri, got them back into the race never really a factor which was a shame because ricardo's had such a good run and their car was pretty good and and the the mclaren was unbelievably good um but um yeah i mean the 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 aston martin was actually surprisingly quick like you know they maybe didn't have the best start but i mean alonso was able to hold off perez he was able to hold off the the red bull like that you know in the hands of max verstappen that car won by eight seconds easily any time that Lando Norris decided that he was going to try and put a push on to Verstappen, Verstappen just said, you know, he extended a middle finger. He turned a, a second a lap faster than what um, Lando did. And, you know, then they, they just kind of played that game of managing the tires. So that was kind of cool. But the fact that Perez couldn't overtake um, Alonso was equal parts Alonso so good at defending, isn't he? he? That was the best Alonso has ever driven. I don't care what what other example you guys can get. Like, if somebody might be able to talk about a race win or when he won his championship, I'm telling you, to be able to hold that car off shows how brilliant Alonso still is, and it shows how how much Perez is lacking as a driver because he's got the car that should be able to do it, and they end up finishing like 30 seconds behind the leader, which he should have easily been able to overtake Alonso. But. Well, and the other thing was, and usually I'll be honest, if I record the race, you know, formation lap, I usually fast-forward it. So <laughs> yeah. I'm, dude, dude, I'm fast-forward, and I'm like, what? <laughs> Stop, <laughs> rewind. And, uh, you know, his hydraulics go down and, uh, you know, you, you see Leclerc and he's in the car. Why? Like, why? And it, why am like, I so unlucky? Uh, like, I, I yeah. can see that being frustrated. Like, the, and I don't know enough about the vehicle to be like, so you're racing all weekend, you know, then you get ready for your race, you go in the formation lap and it blows. Like, yeah. Is there, there's no way to know that, like, there's no testing or anything. Like, you just sit there and you rev it up and then, oh, now we move it and it blows. Like, it, he wasn't even revving it up. They're on the formation yeah. lap. Like, their, their main goal on the formation lap is to get as much heat in the tires as possible. They keep the tire blankets on. They want to keep the tires cool because they are going to be sticky. So if they're driving offline, they're going to pick up a lot of the, the debris on the track. 
So you'll see them weaving back and forth and accelerating and braking, um, you know, to get some heat in the brakes to keep the tires clean. He wasn't doing anything. I mean, I've seen drivers lose control when, you know, they're kind of weaving and they maybe give it a little bit more gas than what they're expecting. The back end will come around and they loop it. Um, this was definitely, uh, you know, it's unpredictable. If they knew that there was an issue with the hydraulics and they didn't, they didn't service it, that, that's just, you know, unthinkable. But, Really, really, uh, a really, really strange sequence of events to, to start that. But then once the race started, it was kind of a yawn fest, except for that battle at the end for like yeah. 20 laps between Alonso and, and Perez. It's interesting uh, right now. Now, I'm, I haven't, uh, you know, I, I watched last year and obviously, you know, Drive to Thrive for this year wouldn't come out. But it almost seems like maybe it's just me, but like, Helmet Marco right now, like is is he just deciding, you know what? Uh, the, the racing itself, there's not that much controversy. So I'm going to try to stir the pot every week. You know, he comes out, he's ripping on Alonzo. I can quote, I can well imagine that Alonzo spread them himself. It wouldn't be the first time that he used his home media to create a mood. Yeah. Um, my, my opinion of, of, uh, Dr. Marco is no, no secret. I, I think he's a highly destructive man. Um, you know, he's been, you know, he's been caught making racist comments. He's been obviously caught making very destructive comments with his, within his own team. What he was talking about there were the, the, um, there was a lot of rumor after Austin, or pardon me, after Mexico, that Alonso was going to immediately replace Perez. Like he was good, like they were going to get rid of Perez. Alonso was going to move into that seat and he was going to finish the year out. That's how, how strong the rumor was. But that, could that even happen? Of course. Red Bull has total control over their drivers. So if they decide that they're going to fire someone, they take a look at it and say, okay, we're going to have to pay this guy out for his contract. So Perez would get the rest of his contract for this year and next year because that's pretty much ironclad. But that doesn't affect their salary cap, so they wouldn't really care. These teams now are making money hand over fist. But Alonso could just get out of his? That's what I meant. They they would have to yeah. they would have to pay some kind of damage to to yeah. Aston Martin, but um, you know these things are are very doable. So do you think this is like it does seem for sure that Perez and Red Bull are heading for a split? Uh, is Alonso the most likely candidate in your eyes no. to go there? No, no. Who Ricardo, do you think is? they're going to move Ricardo, Ricardo up, and then somebody else will get uh, slotted into the? Uh, so then, the where would tower. Perez go? That's a good question. Um, he, I think Perez still has moderate funding available to him. Uh, he's got a very good sponsor base from, from, um, you know, his pre Red Bull days. Yeah. It's just a matter of who's got the available seat at the end of the year. Is there any chance that they say goodbye to Stroll? A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Or is that, is that like no chance? If they do, it will be phrased that he's chosen to retire because they won't ever make it look like, um, okay. you know, the, the, the glory boy. The so he wouldn't of, go race anywhere else. He would literally, it's, it's either all or nothing. You'd he's, think. he's since, and, I, and somebody might be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but he has never raced for a team that wasn't his, either his, 100% sponsored by his dad. or owned by his father. Oh, okay. Or if, if Lawrence didn't own it, when they started, he owned it when they were done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Oh, okay. So, yeah, because I am, you know, we're nearing the end. We got this weekend off. Then they go into Vegas, right? Um, night race, correct, in Vegas? Yeah, it's supposed to be uh, Saturday night, 11 p.m. start. 11 p.m. Vegas? 11 p.m. Our time. So Our time. 10 so 10 p.m. Vegas. Vegas, yeah. Um, interesting. It's going to be cold. It is. Go- that is... I am not looking forward to that race to be so candid. If it's, yeah, so as from a driver perspective and from a team perspective, when it's cold, what's what becomes the bigger challenge? Like, you're, like I'm assuming your body, when you're going that fast in the car, like if, if it's not that warm out, you're going to feel it, but you got your, your racing gear on. Will you feel the cold, do you think, as a driver? No. No, they'll, they'll maybe get a little bit of sensation, like kind of under their neck, uh, depending on, on how tight their helmet is. Okay. But there's still crazy amounts of heat coming off the engine. Uh, the challenge is going to be getting the tires up to temperature, especially during qualifying runs. If it's, if it's cool, um, Keeping keeping grip in the tires shouldn't be a real big deal, aside from the fact that it's a brand new, um, you know, circuit. But they've never run these cars there, so it's the the you know they'll keep talking about how the track's going to evolve through the weekend. From you know Friday, they're going to you know probably run as many laps as they can just to try and get some rubber down. Saturday uh, during FP3 will likely be the same thing, trying to get you know a little bit closer to their qualifying setups, um, and then from there, who knows what's going to happen? Because I think most of the practice is happening during the day, and then the race is going to be at night. So. Um, I promise you, I won't be watching it live because by the time, um, you know, Come on, old man. that's exactly true. Have a nap. Have a seven o'clock nap. Bust no. it up. No, to watch these guys run around, like these, these street courses to me are not interesting at all, with the exception of Baku. Um, I, I couldn't care less about watching, you know, and, and this is the third race in the States. They've got way too many. I'm more interested. I spent most of my day today watching the, the, uh, Scusa Supernats from Las Vegas, the, the go-kart, uh, event that's running in the parking lot what is in it Las called? Vegas. The Scusa? Uh, Scusa, Supercarts USA. Oh, okay. Scusa. Scusa yeah, <laughs> me. Um, but yeah, watching those guys, um, that's a great race. Like, so another race in Vegas the week before, but these guys are putting on a great show. Now the Vegas though, like, um, first time there, and I, I remember when I went to, 
But well, it's my only F1 race that I went to uh, a few years ago. And many of the people that I was talking to there, oh, is this your, yeah, well, and there was talk about, uh, well, whatever you do, don't go when it's the first time in a new city. Because even if they, if they think they're going to do it right, there's lots of things that go wrong. Is that what's going to happen here in Vegas? Like, and I'm from a fan perspective, when it comes to sight lines, when it comes to hospitality and different things, uh, even though this is like a, a billion dollar industry, it's still the first time in a city and it's like the individual city running it. And there's always some oversight. Yeah, and we saw that with the first race in Miami last year. Um, they had to repave a whole a whole ton of roads just to make them a little less bad. Vegas's issue, I think, is going to be traffic because they're going to be shutting down the strip, which is, you know, our big chunk of the strip. And for people to get around means that all of these Ubers, taxis, you know, there's not a lot of public transit besides one train. Um, it's going to be really hard for people to get around. Fortunately, I mean, for the, if you could actually afford to stay on the strip, like we were supposed to be, um, you know, Alex, uh, my buddy Tagliani, he turned 50 a couple weeks ago. I turned 50 later this year. We were supposed to do a birthday thing this week. We didn't even think of the F1 race, but we looked at hotel prices. And I mean, these lousy hotels were like six hundred, seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars. This is for like basic rooms. Uh, so if you were actually able to stay on the strip, I guess you can probably afford to, um, you know, to, to get your way around. But that's all that's all going to be secondary. I just don't think the race itself is going to be that great. And then, you know, these guys have to pack up and then immediately they'll be in Abu Dhabi uh, the next week where, you know, that always seems to be a great venue. Great stuff, Colin. Uh, we will uh, set up Vegas and I'm sure there'll be some interesting stories uh, coming out of Vegas uh, next week. Have a good one. Thanks, boys. That is uh, Colin Livingston in the racing report brought to you by Can Torque. Uh, when we come back, uh, we will be joined. Uh, TR will, uh, will rejoin the show. He had, uh, he had, uh, some commitments that he had to get to there, but, uh, we're happy to have him, uh, back after. Also, we will, uh, get to, uh, the con man. Uh, we are also going to talk, uh, help your neighbor. Somebody's going to qualify for a brand new high efficiency furnace. Uh, we will hear from, uh, Jay Woodcroft, a few other members of the uh, Edmonton owners as they look to end a three game losing streak. The owners have only won once in their last eight games. They are hoping that the 32nd place San Jose Sharks are the team that can help them end that slide. Uh, but first, uh, let's get to the uh, con man and a sports 1440 update brought to you by. Fountain Tire and their Road Ready Sales event is on right now where you can save up to $225 on select tires and get an additional $50 off when you book any service until December 16th. Book your appointment today at FountainTire.com. Some restrictions apply. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 